This non-typical nation podcast is brought to you by Old Smokes Coffee, crafted coffee for the courageous. And that, folks, is the man, the myth, the legend, Tim Sanford with Old Smokes Coffee. Remember, use promo code non-typical at oldsmokescoffee.com. This is the Non-Typical Nation podcast with your host, Brody Teal and Eric Labrie. Let's talk hunting and absolutely everything else that goes with it. What's going on, guys? We are back, and you know what? Hunting season, big game season, at least for us, is pretty much all wrapped up. We're done. We're done, man. It is, uh, so today it is, what is it, December 3rd today, and um yeah so we actually just released our last podcast a few days ago we did a contest in that podcast where we wanted you guys to send us a story and we were going to read a story on air but because we just released that podcast a few days ago i think we're going to postpone this contest or at least the winner until the next podcast yeah so keep sending those stories in that's right guys so send us a story of the highlight of your 2020 hunting season and we want to talk about it on the next podcast that will be episode number 36 36 this is 35 yeah episode 36 we're going to announce a winner now on today's podcast guys i've got a jack of all trades this guy is a master carpenter a home builder a hunting fanatic he's becoming an incredible videographer and he's contributing some incredible written content to nontypical.org let's welcome mr troy iso hello troy how you doing man great we finally got you you know we're running a little bit behind but that's sort of as per usual for me and eric <laughs> hey Troy, this is Eric here. Can you hear me good? You betcha, Eric. Got you loud and clear. Right on. Right on, right on, man. So um we uh hunting season's all done for us and it is it's sort of a bittersweet time of year. You know, we either fill tags or we didn't fill tags, but the reality of our situation is we won't be chasing deer, elk, and moose for another year, but um, you, you've got, uh, you've got some tags still in your pocket. I think here you're in Manitoba, I should mention. So you're in sort of a unique situation compared to the rest of us here at non-typical nation. Um, but, uh, you know, tell us a little about yourself, Troy, you know, some of the, some of our audience has read some of your written content on nontypical.org. Um, and they've seen your Turkey episode, but, um, you know, just introduce yourself to the audience. Tell us what you like to hunt, how you got into hunting, and give us the lowdown. Well, non-typical nation listeners, as you've uh, heard, my name is Troy. Um, I started hunting at an extremely young age, like many, many people who do still enjoy the outdoors. Um, my dad and my grandpa um, hunted for many, many years. Um, and basically I was, you know, just fo following their footsteps. I also had a great uncle who spent uh, a pile of time uh, kind of investing me in the outdoors at a young age. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, do you yeah. remember, quick question, do you remember your first hunt? Uh, my first hunt with a rifle would have been um, a bear hunt with my dad 
when I was 12 in spring. That would have been the very first, and that was joint tag. We actually both ended up shooting uh, a beautiful blonde cinnamon bear, actually. So, so that, that was, was my the first, first time that you, that you actually harvested something in for yourself. That would have been whitetail in fall. Okay. And that uh, was quite a rigmarole, actually. Uh, you know, as most people's first deer is, I was out with my grandfather. We were sitting in a, a homemade blind that we had made, uh, elevated, whatever, eight feet off the ground. And he was watching one do- window, and I was watching the other window. And, of course, uh, first deer comes by like 10 minutes after legal light. And I'm sitting in the wrong chair. So he's trying to open up the window. Uh, disclaimer, my grandfather was about a 280-pound man who was about 6'5". So he's not real <laughs> agile. And we're sitting in about a 4x6 box. So we're trying to switch spots, open the window, get the gun out. Uh, and I'm only 12 at the time. So it's like at this point, it's like I really don't know what's going on. Um, get the gun out the window, first buck goes by, didn't even get a shot. So it's like, here, I'm totally heartbroken. Um, five minutes later, even bigger buck walks out, same window, 243, about 100 yards, next shot, and thing just drops. So cheers just obviously erupt from the, from the blind, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that was the tale of my first deer. That's awesome. That's incredible, man. So, and you guys, was that in Manitoba? Have you lived in Manitoba forever? Is that where you've done all your hunting? Yep. Yeah, I grew up here in Elm Creek, which is a community of about 250 people, wow. uh, about 45 minutes west of Winnipeg. And I I grew up south of town, and now I'm living west of town. So, yeah, this has kind of been home for me for the last 30 years this year, I guess. That's awesome, man. Right on. And um, so you mentioned these these partner tags. And so we've got something similar here in Alberta. But um, this past season, was it your dad and your brother, brother-in-law got an elk on one of those partner tags? Yeah. So what's the advantage of that? Like what's because you've mentioned you've mentioned this partner tagging system a few times. Um, you know, yeah, over I the would, past I few would say largely it's a disadvantage. <laughs> to and be so perfectly what's honest. the reasoning for it, or how does it work? Uh, simply, the, my thought process behind the partnership tag here is because we don't have the big game numbers that you guys do out west, like in Saskatchewan, Alberta. You guys have a way better population of elk and moose for these big game animals. Here in Manitoba, our populations are not at all um, what you guys have out west, like and, not even close. And why so is, these, what, what's the reasoning for that? Do you have any idea? I think largely just habitat. We have so much more farmland um, and we have a lot less bush. Like we don't have the big hills in the majority of the province that you guys have. Uh, and then further north, in Manitoba, it's like just bog. So it is good moose country, but it doesn't seem to hold the same population that you guys have out west. Why that is exactly, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, but our big game numbers are not nearly what you guys have out west in Alberta or Saskatchewan. Yeah, we're, that, you know, we've talked about it before, just how fortunate we are in Alberta with the abundance and just the variation of wildlife. You know, like you can be down south hunting antelope. And three hours away, four hours away, you can be hunting sheep. Yeah. And then if yeah. you go two hours west, you can be hunting turkeys in the bottom west 
southern part of the the province and then you know you you throughout the province you got moose and elk and mule deer and white up deer. north and you fight uh, do bison up north there's bison yeah. and yeah so we're super fortunate but it's funny man because when i lived in saskatchewan all I wanted to do was hunt bush. And now that I'm in Alberta and Northern Alberta, all I want to do, and I'm extremely envious of the guys who hunt farmland and the prairies yeah. down south. Yeah. So you always you, want what you don't have, right? Yeah. Well, you see more animals generally in the farmland country. Like in big bush country, it's like you see the animal for often seconds and then it's gone. Yeah. And you may never see that animal again in your entire life. Whereas often here, it's like our pockets of bush. Like if I I own a piece of property here that's 60 acres of bush, um, and that's a pretty decent-sized bush that I hunt. Most of the bush is like small strings of stuff. Um, so if I'm chasing a deer, I'll often get multiple pictures of him all fall. I can often chase them for multiple years, and you can pretty much tell most deer hunters can tell if it's the same deer or not from year to year. They usually carry same um, characteristics in the rack. So I'll, I'll see those animals sometimes, you know, three, four, five times in, you know, a 10-day stretch if I'm hunting steady the same bush. Uh, whereas you guys, when you hunt big bush, you might see a beautiful deer and then never see that deer again in your entire life. Whereas here, if I see a deer there's a pretty good chance that I can get on them again if I don't, if I'm not successful the first time. Exactly. So you're primarily hunting private land then? Yes. Yeah. Out here there in my area where I hunt, there's very little crown or uh, public land. There are a few pieces, but I find it's just so littered with people that uh, it becomes more frustration for me than anything. I work very hard every year to, um, get and maintain permission that I've gained over the years with certain landowners. Um, you know, and, and it's, it is work. Absolutely. It's work to, to keep that, uh, permission with landowners. Yeah, without a doubt. And you know what, like it's, that's the one thing with where me and Eric are, it's just crown land for, you know, thousands of square kilometers you know that's all it is you can go west and you can go east and south and you're going to get into private within about a half hour of driving but you know if you go north and even south of town it is just straight bush and it's nice because it leaves a lot for the imagination you got a lot of hope because you never know what's going to be in that next cup locker around yeah. the next corner it might be and you also always have a place to hunt that that's what's very nice is we can hunt a different spot every single day of the hunting season if we wanted to right yep. and have endless land to hunt um yep. but you know where i was hunting this year it was the the curse and problem with with that much crown land is that um you know the people who are who live in you know down south or area where there is a lot of private it's very very tough to get permission so everyone comes to the crown land and um and and it makes it tough and where we are it's sort of a hot spot for um for hunters because you know there's there's leased roads all over the place there's um logging roads there's tons and tons of access um so i'm finishing this season and basically starting from scratch again and just trying to find a new area to hunt where i can get even farther away from people 
Um, you know, I know there's there's more than enough land, so it's just a matter of of getting getting yeah. away and getting away from the roads and that's what i tried to do this year like i set up all my stands you know a kilometer from from a road so quite a ways away and it's straight bush so a kilometer in the bush on a trail is is a is a good distance yeah. um but i'd even notice on days where i'd hear eight gunshots in the morning the deer just would not move doesn't matter how far away they were from those roads if they could hear them they would just stay bedded all day they would not move. And so um, I actually, I haven't talked about on the podcast, what I ended up doing on my last day of the season, Charlie Reed, we've had him on the last podcast. We've had him on a few. He, um, he's got a huge chunk of property that he hunts. And he told us actually on the podcast, he's like, hey, Brody, I've got a ton of four by fours that I want to call because he's managing this property and um, it's incredible the deer he has on this property. Um, now I'm going to tell the story here guys because I haven't told it yet. So I met with Charlie at about 7 a.m. Hunting start time was at about 10 after 8 and so he showed me on the map where I got to go. I got the truck parked, hiked out to the blind, got to the blind a half hour 20 minutes before hunting start time. So it was pitch black it wasn't 15 minutes later and Charlie messaged me. He's like, hey man, I've got two shooter bucks and two does under my stand. But he had 15 minutes to wait till hunting start time. And so I'm like, wow, like he's got action. I'm going to have action. This is awesome. And then hunting start time came. His deer moved on. He didn't get a shot. He texted me another an hour ago. Hey, have you seen a deer? I just seen two more. And I'm like, no, still nothing. 11 o'clock passed, 12 o'clock passed, 1 o'clock passed. And he's like, anything? I'm like, no, man, nothing. And I was, I looked at the camera and I said, you know what? This might be the year where I don't kill a deer. As hard as I've worked, um, I thought today would be a gimme and I was hoping it would. You know, this might be the day. And I said, you know, if anything comes out, I just, this is going to be my chance. I can't, I can't risk it again. And it wasn't two hours later, a little four by four came out, you know, probably a two and a half year old deer. And, um, pointed the camera at him, the gun was up and, and kapow, that deer was down. It, it worked out absolutely perfect. It was at like three o'clock. So, you know, I might've seen deer in the evening, but at this point I really couldn't take the chance. Um, and it just, you know, the, the, I hit the deer, it went 10, 15 yards. It was a good recovery. Charlie came, we got good photos and everything worked out absolutely perfect. Um, but you know, it's, it's sort of a curse having the public land or all as much current land as you want. And then, you know, it's nice as well. But um, I wanted to tell that story because I, uh, yeah, I finally got a deer. Finally, finally, finally. <laughs> and you, Troy, you're still hunting. You still got, what, two weeks or something? Or how does uh, it yeah, work? Yeah, there's another another two and a half weeks here yet in a different zone from what I hunt. So, so right now isn't... you were saying that you are always looking looking for spots on private land and it's tough to come by well that's where i'm at right now i'm going to a new zone that i don't generally hunt i gotta get permission i gotta find a setup and i gotta hopefully make it happen here in the next couple of weeks so, so you've been hunting on your property or the neighboring properties all season and now um that zone is closed so you got to move somewhere totally totally new to you which is, I mean, the zone starts east of me about five miles, but east of the highway here becomes like extreme farmland where you really got to look around for the bush. 
Oh. Um, so I'm likely going to be traveling about 20, 25 minutes to kind of along a river and uh, hopefully basically just find find some food at this point of the year because uh, definitely after the rut here, everybody's going to be looking for food sources. So basically try and find some food source and a little bit of cover and hopefully should find some deer. Yeah, well, so you've never like do you you've never hunted this area before. This is totally new to you. Would you typically, if if you didn't fill your tag, would you typically go and hunt this zone, or are you hunting this zone just because you're bound and determined to get a deer, or are you quite confident you're going to get a deer? Um, I, I hunted it last year as well. Okay. I keep telling keep telling myself that I'm. Uh, gonna kill an archery deer and then all of a sudden the muzzleloader rolls around and yeah. like, oh i gotta get a deer in muzzleloader because i don't want to be in the rifle rat race around here and then all of a sudden rifle season like last week it's like ooh, i should probably shoot a deer and all of a sudden last day rolls around of rifle seasons and then you don't see a deer it's like yeah. okay now now all of a sudden i'm still holding a tag I really don't want to hang it on the Christmas tree again. <laughs> well, and that's sort of how my season went, man. Like the deer that I ended up shooting, I passed on. I passed on deer bigger than him. I passed on deer smaller than him. Um, and when it comes down to that last day or last two days, man, you just got to put the hammer down. If you got the got the chance, you got to take it. So did yeah. you? Sorry, I missed that. Did you get a deer in this area last year? Uh, I did not last not. year so either. I, I hunted and I, I, ne I, there was deer in the bush that I was hunting in, but I was never able to see any. They were, it got really, really cold and uh, they were just moving totally after dark. So it was, yeah, no, I was unsuccessful. I ended up hunting seven days of that season last year uh, and I was unsuccessful in filling my tag. So I got really cold and was still able to hang my tag on the Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> which, so, is, which is kind of, kind of a tradition that we have, because if you eat tag soup, then we say you got to hang it on the Christmas tree as a decoration. Yeah, well, that's where I'm at this year. I'm eating a whole lot of tag soup. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you, mentioned, you mentioned earlier your population situation. I guess, so my question would be, um, how long, like, what are you looking at for weight on a draw for like a moose or an elk or can you buy over the counter every year or what does that look like in certain areas of the province you can buy an over-the-counter moose tag it is a bull only um and it is basically the northern part of the province but it's like i say it's bulls only and a lot of that area either you got to fly in um, or it's a, it's a good drive and anywhere that you can drive is just filled with people. Like I was talk, talking to one guy that actually met turkey hunting here this spring and he hunted that zone, uh, where basically where the road kind of ends, if you want to call it, um, where you can drive to. And he said in seven days that he spent hunting there, he saw about 45 hunters and he saw three elk and unfortunately they all got shot and two of them were shot under spotlight so oh, that's man. you know it's really unfortunate that we have to deal with that kind of stuff but that is the reality of our sport that uh basi basically the liars and the cheaters often get <laughs> get the animals which is really hard um yeah, we, we deal with a little bit of that here too, for sure. Yeah, well, this, this year in particular, man, I so I was hunting a, a diff, new area this year, 
and there was definitely more road hunters in the area and i noticed almost each weekend i was out i would hear one or two gunshots well before hunting start time yeah yeah and um yeah it's super frustrating super frustrating but you know what can you do um that tag though that general moose is that a rifle tag that is a rifle tag yes Wow, I can um, imagine it's just a circus. Up yeah. There. So what what is it like yeah. for success? Have you ever have you ever gone and tried it, or do you like do you uh, know I, guys? I never have, but I know quite a few people that have hunted that um, season, and I would say it's probably in the ten to twenty percent success rate. So it's almost um, like you're looking at it like a lost cause. You're sort of getting lucky if you go. Like it's a big much investment. It. For, for most of the guys that I know that go and hunt that season, it's largely uh, time to spend, you know, a week and a half in a cabin with a group of guys, having a few whiskeys, losing some money at poker, and, <laughs> and we go out and hunt during the day. Right. You know, that, that's that's largely what it is. Um, and we, we don't have any type of that for elk here. Like our elk population in Manitoba, there's super small pockets of them. Um and the the main group that we used to have in Manitoba used to be in Riding Mountain National Park, and they had probably about 5,000 animals about 10 years ago. And then all of a sudden, Parks Canada was so concerned about uh, TB, like tuberculosis, that they called like three-quarters of that herd for whatever reason. They just hammered the elk so now like i actually was just reading an article about a month ago and they figured that the population in that specific area is now finally back up to a little over a thousand so going from four to five thousand animals to all of a sudden being like 500 and now getting back up to a thousand like you used to be able to go there and see elk almost every time you went and now it's like people see elk and it's like almost like seeing a unicorn you know, it, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. But in other areas of the province, like the area that we were successful in this fall, the elk herd there is actually booming, which is awesome to hear. They actually just upped the tags again this past season for rifle and for archery uh, in a big way uh, to try and actually get the numbers to come back down a little bit because they're escalating so quickly, which is really surprising for a big game animal to be having a huge jump, but... It's really awesome to see animals, really. I mean, every, every hunter goes out, they don't go out hoping to see nothing, right? They go out hoping to see animals. So when you hear that the populations are getting better, it's, you know, it's just awesome to hear. It really is, man. We, so where we are, south of town, um, where I do majority of my hunting, this year it was about a 10, was, so we have a priority system in Alberta. How does your draw system work? Yeah, we have the same thing. Priority. Uh, we have ten stages of uh, of priority in a, in our draw system for the particular tag that my brother in law and dad got as a joint tag. You basically both have to be number one or number two. So basically, that's ten years worth of waiting in order to get that tag. Wow, unreal. So how ours works? A lot similar, right? So the first year I put in for a draw. I have zero points. The second yep. year, I have one point. And then when I get drawn, I get go back down to zero. Um, yep. So where we hunt, well, where I hunt south of town for, you know, ungulates, 
um, deer and moose, the rifle moose tag this year was a, a nine priority. So that means it takes you yep. 10 years to draw that tag. Yep. And last year, I don't know about this year, but last year they only gave out something like 20 tags and it is a huge, huge zone. And they've been limiting the amount of tags for the past five or six years. And these last couple years, we've now started to see more and more moose. This year in particular, like I released, <laughs> I released two arrows at two different moose and we seen, we seen a bunch. Um, and it's definitely making a difference. So it's, it's really nice to see that, you know, when you have a lower population and they make some changes and then you, you see, um, you see it actually work. And nice thing about our zone, um, which if you're an Alberta resident, plug your ears, cause I don't want you to know this, but it's a, it's a general archery tag for moose. So, yeah, so if you're going to ask me if you guys can just buy an over-the-counter tag. Not all zones, but this one you can, right? So if you're a rifle yep. hunter, you got to wait 9, 10 years. If you're a bow hunter, you can go and buy a general tag. Now, it's a shorter season, um, but you still have an opportunity in that sort of pre-rut phase for the moose. And, yep. um, yeah, that's super cool. One thing Alberta does do well is they give a lot of opportunity to bow hunters, um, you know, for mule deer and some zones where you got to draw a tag and it takes five or six years, they're going to give you a general archery. They do it for the moose and, um, and that's, what's neat. Now I heard they were trying to pull that for this zone just because rifle hunters got to wait so long and then they're giving out takes to archery, but it's just your success rate is so low, right? Well, yeah. And I, what, what I say to those rifle hunters is suck it up, cry baby, start pulling back a bow. Exactly. Well, that's why I got into yeah. bow hunting. Well, it's because the opportunity, and that's the same with me. Is well, I can I can either hunt the month of November in some areas, the month of October and November, or I can hunt from August twentieth to November thirty first with a bow. Yeah. Right? You, yeah. You, get, you almost gain a whole month of hunting. Yeah, it's kind of a no brainer. If, if you're really into the sport, right? Not to mention you get, you know, you get antlerless elk in the early, you get general elk, you get moose, um, yeah, so, you get mule deer, you get uh, antlerless mule deer. Yeah, so with a, with a, with your elk tag, in, so you can buy a general elk tag and for rifle, that allows you to get one bull a year. Yeah. But during archery, you have the option to get a cow or a bull. With the same, yeah, with that tag. With that tag. Um, so that's sort of neat. I've never got a cow elk before, but you know, if a guy wants meat yeah, and, um, you know, they are sometimes a little bit easier to get than the bulls, but, uh, you know, generally in Alberta, for the most part, it's a, it's a general bull elk tag for rifle throughout, uh, throughout the province, not everywhere, but a lot of places. And your, popula um, your population of elk is obviously that high. I guess so, man. Well, there's elk. I mean, you, you can go. Not in, in Slave, Slave Lake in particular, there seems to be no elk. But if you drive an hour in any direction, you're in elk. Yeah. Right? Except but are, maybe not north. So are those tags just like, are they bull only or are they either sex? So archery is either sex until the archery season's over. But so, so sorry, the bulls are typically three pointer larger or six pointer larger, depending on the zone. And then antlerless, you can also shoot a cow uh, in archery season. But as soon as the rifle season opens up, then it's just that three-point or six-point bull. Okay, yeah. And then there's a draw for the antlerless cow tag for the rifle season. Yeah, 
So it's, it's similar to our rifle moose here. Basically, it has to be a bull, and then its size depends on area. Yeah. Do you guys have any size restrictions for your elk? No. No, we didn't. No, yeah. the rifle tag that we that my brother-in-law drew, that was actually either sex. So we, we could have shot a cow or a bull. Yeah, you guys got a nice bull too, hey? That was a dandy. Yep. Yeah, that was a pretty incredible hunt. That was the first... Like, I hunted that zone last year with a bow, and I saw elk, but I never even got to draw my bow back on a, on any animal. I had, I saw elk, I think, four times out of the, whatever, nine or ten days that I hunted, and uh, I got within 80 yards. I was at the closest I ever got to elk, but I definitely saw two, like, dandy, dandy bulls uh, one, one night. It was just... For, for me, that was like the first time I'd ever really hunted elk in many, many years. That was the first time I'd ever hunted like during the rut of the elk. So to hear them scream was just an incredible experience for me. Yeah, um, it's... And then, yeah, this year to be successful, to actually see the, see the bulls, hear them scream, and then him to come out and, and able to kill an elk was just pretty incredible to watch it unfold so yeah no that is and, and your sort of group of guys you guys got a few didn't you get two bulls or three or something no we just we just got the one um between between that one tag eh? because there's yeah. two guys on that one tag so okay must have been must have been dreaming i guess <laughs> <laughs> well that's awesome man right on yeah you know we typically are elk hunting in particular like our archery season opens up august 25th so this year um i was elk hunting right at that very first day and we i got into a, a herd of elk um three or four bulls and about eight cows and it was like august 27th super early and they were screaming at us and it was just insane um, but i was sort of self-filming ranging had my bow in hand and uh i'd get them in i'd get a good range and i'd go to get the camera on them and they'd step away i'd get the camera on them then i'd go to range them and then they'd move right and it's it's so tough and i don't know what it is but every time i get on elk i'm in like willows or trees that are eight feet high just a couple feet taller than me and they're just in the nastiest thickest stuff ever but um well i'm the dumbass this year that passed on three bulls three five by fives at ten 15 yards on the first day of elk hunting yeah year. did you hear about that troy i i saw the video on our group chat and then i'm like you're passing bull elk on. so I, in my mind i was kind of thinking i hope you have to eat that tag and now probably <laughs> pretty good doesn't it eric that's fair that's fair so i had gotten back the night like 10 o'clock that night before from a, a botched sheep hunt what was the date the 28th okay so, yep. I, and then, so I had to head, then I, I got up early in the morning and I had to head about an hour and a half west of town and I was a little late. Um, so the sun was getting up just as I was like pulling into my spot and I was hunting just a little strip of crown. There was about, I think it was about five and a half or six sections in a straight line that sort of bordered a river and then a, it was all farmland around it. Yeah. And... I, I was a little late, so I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll, I'll go look at the field first just to see if there's anything feeding in the field before I go and park and start walking. And I pull into the field, and in the back of the field, about 600 or 700 yards from the road, there's three bulls. So I'm like, okay, great. That couldn't have worked out any better. And they're only, you know, so the road is sort of at a 90 degrees. Um, I can get 
one section between me and the bulls and that section is the crown i was planning to hunt so i yeah. park my truck walk in there just cow chirp a little ways as i'm going in there and within about half an hour i have these three bulls that like one came into 10 yards and i was just like none of them are monsters and it's the first day so <laughs> you know this if this is how the season's gonna go great and then i never had another bull within bow range the rest of the, the that's the, the first day months. curse man yeah I don't know. Elk to me tastes way too good to let one walk by you. I've never even shot one yet, and I... oh, what? Oh, that, okay, dummy. This is your own fault, then. <laughs> well, I know. I feel. I feel it now. We're like hunting season's over, and I've got. I could decorate my whole Christmas tree with my hunting bag. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that hurt. Yeah. I all I so I've got. I didn't kill. I've got a moose tag. I'm eating an elk tag. I screwed up a moose, screwed up an elk. Um, I didn't see sheep, but I so I have a tag to eat there. I got my my whitetail buck, my muley buck. Uh, yeah, I got quite a few. <laughs> It'll make a real good salad. Yeah, yeah, it's a little rough this year. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go vegan for the winter, I think. <laughs> no kidding. I guess you're gonna have to start eating wolves. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Or Wolf Bait, he's been loading up on that from the shop here. I think he's got... Yeah, uh, I've got plenty of deer scraps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you got planned for uh, for 2021, man, for hunting? Well, oh, I'm I'm really hoping to uh, to get out to Alberta and do a one-on-one -on -one with you, Brody. Yeah, I'm uh, yeah. really, really hoping to do that. I mean, I keep throwing my name in the old Saskatchewan draw there, but that seems to be a bit of a dead end. Man, I've been do so do you have family there? No. Yeah, no. I uh I'm starting to think that somebody's gonna have to adopt me out there though. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I uh, I've been putting in for I think five years or four years and I yeah, no luck yet. Um does it work as in like a the same pooling system if you're a non resident no. or is it a complete lottery? Uh to me it sounds like it's a complete lottery. there is no priority. Or is it just rigged? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I did. Well, we we put in for f I think five different zones, and in three of the zones that we put in, I looked at the stats the other day, and uh, there was like ranging from twenty to fifty tags given out in those zones. Um, the one zone specific that I'm thinking of, there was twenty tags given out, and there was twenty five people who applied that had family members in that zone. Yeah. So basically, there's five tags um that didn't get handed out to even family members so the people that don't have family were never going to get a tag in that zone ever wow like we we don't even have a hope because there's already five people who have maximum priority that aren't even getting the tag so there's no way that basically us non-prioritized people are ever going to get a tag in that zone it's, it, it is sort of a goofy system how you have to have family you know like alberta i can it's a hunter host system and so one hunter can host two different guys a year yeah the only stipulation is you can't host two non-canadian or you can't host a non-canadian for two years in a row you got to stagger them every three years i think it is for non-canadians okay. but if it's a canadian like you troy i could host you every year for 10 years it wouldn't matter 
Um, And then you guys, a non-resident, would basically have almost the same... You can buy almost the same general tags that we can. Like, Alberta just gives them away. Um, But yeah, I know Saskatchewan... Which I don't really agree with that either. No, it's... it's, uh, They just... Alberta's so money... I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And it's weird too. Like I was talking to fish and wildlife about it because I'm, I'm, I'm really raising a stink about how the zone I deer hunt gives out three doe tags. Like it, it makes no sense to me at all. When I hunt 11 days and see one doe and eight bucks, that's it. In 11 days, that's all I seen one doe and my buck to doe ratio on trail cameras is like nine to one, seven to one. Like there's, and I'm, eight to one the opposite way like i had numerous hits this fall where i was seeing between 20 and 40 deer and i would see three to five bucks and all of them were one and a half or two and a half year old bucks but you know what man like the way i would almost prefer that because one buck can breed 10 does or eight does yeah where one doe can only give birth once every year every two years right so um yeah yeah no so you know they give out three you can kill up to three does in uh in these these zones around here and it just doesn't make any sense to me no, i don't know how i got doesn't. back on this tangent i've talked about it on every fucking pop. what were we just talking about well on to this point too though it's like this year i never saw a doe that didn't have a fawn yeah and so what happens is you have guys who aren't from around here or guys who are around here and just don't care and they're driving along and they see a, a doe with her two fawns and they can kill all three of those animals. As long as they don't have spots. There's no, but does it say anywhere? Yeah, it says in the regulations. You can't have spots. I'm, I'm pretty, that, really? I, thought I, asked, I thought I asked Fish and Wildlife if you can shoot a fawn in there. And I'm, I was sure you Well, could. by this time of year, they, they, never, they never have spots, yeah. right? Oh, no, they should have winter air by yeah. the rifle. Season. But if it's like I, early I archery, make, they, yeah. some of them still have spots. Yeah. But even then, like myself, you know, you, like if, if you see a doe with a fawn, we've never, you don't even think about it, right? Um, but, you know, legally, um, guys can, right? If they see a doe yep. with, with uh, an eight-month-old eight fawn, they can shoot all of them. And so, you know, it's a real issue when you have guys coming up and two guys leave with six deer and they're all does and, you know, it's, it's tough. Um, I don't remember. What, what were we talking about before this? It was, I had a reason for bringing this up and I wasn't going to go off on this tangent, but. Wow. Um, Oh, oh, we were talking about tags, giving out tags. So Alberta gives out way too many tags. So yeah. And Um, and here in Manitoba, in my zone, I can't even get a doe tag. Yes. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, with my general tag, I get one tag for any season. I can shoot one deer. If I shoot a deer in archery, a doe in archery, I'm done for the rest of the year. Okay, like so it's a one, buck, one buck or doe. In, in my, yeah, one tag, buck or doe in my zone. Uh, and we have like, so everybody around here, obviously, it's, oh, I need to shoot a buck. I need to shoot a buck. So we have just piles of guys going out and shooting these one and a half, two and a half year old deer um just to shoot a buck but then these does just breed like wildfire yeah. and then everybody gets mad for hitting them on the highway it's like well you kind of did this to yourself but yeah so you gotta have a balance right and i think um i think the answer is almost you know 
one buck tag, not either sex, one buck tag and one doe tag. So if a guy kills a doe early on because he wants meat and then he holds out for that buck, but hey, he's not going to shoot a little buck or he's not just going to shoot anything because he's already got meat in the freezer, right? And yep, I that, agree with that almost saves some of your bucks. Um, and that's what I would like to see up here is allow one doe and one buck. You know, because if there is a ton of deer and that's why they're giving out these three up to three doe tags, then okay, let's allow one doe and one buck. But yeah, it just, it doesn't make sense because Alberta in general, we have four and a half million people living in Alberta. Saskatchewan, there's more land mass and they have like a million and a quarter people, right? So we have yep. almost four times the hunters they do and we give out tags, you know, like, yep. like they're going out of style and, um, you know, y you guys are sort of, I don't know what the population of Manitoba is, but it's, you know, I'm sure it's pretty close to Saskatchewan right around there. But, um, but yeah, no, it's, you know, so it, it depends on the area in where, where I hunt here now, our doe, our deer population is really, really high. Yeah. About five to seven years ago, our numbers, just like Saskatchewan, we just dropped like crazy. We had two bad winters in a row, killed a whole pile of deer. Um, and in our area, we have enough food and enough cover that the population has just jumped because we actually went to bucks only for four years. Could not shoot any does here. Wow. Uh, it was it was bucks only. So and that's now, how they saved the population and increased the yeah. population, bucks only. Yeah. Interesting. And, and our population in our area now is, is super high, but it's out of balance in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you know, and it's the whole thing here in Alberta, like the hunting industry is is huge in Alberta, right? Outfitting um, is, is a big industry. A lot of people rely on it here. Um, and, and so it is neat that they offer non-residents pretty much any tag. Um, but you know, it, it makes for, for, for tough hunting, but, um, yeah, man, we got to have you up. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, we've never met in person, have we? No. Yeah. We no, were supposed not. to do I, I a New Yorkton trade show, but that got canceled. And, yeah. um, and yeah, and I know. Next year isn't looking promising for the trade show either. So yeah, I know, I know. I've still got a bit invested in that one, but we'll just we'll just wait and see. I don't know if I want to do any trade shows, even if they do open something. You know? Yeah, who knows what they might even look like, right? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I, 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 I might... honestly think that they might be a thing of the past. Unfortunately, with this situation that we're in right now. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, uh, I probably have to agree with you on that one. Um. Uh, where was that there? Oh yeah. So, um, so what are we doing? Are we going to do an elk hunt this, uh, this next September or what? That, that would certainly be my priority. Yeah. I would, uh, I would definitely love to come chase elk after getting my feet wet here a little bit the last couple of years chasing these things. Uh, it's just, it's a totally different animal compared to, uh, chasing these whitetails that I'm used to, used to seeing all of a sudden when an elk steps out of the bush it's uh you certainly notice it when they step on the field compared to when a little old uh doe white tail doe steps onto the field it's just a totally different size animal yeah and it's... just the noise when there's bulls are screaming in the trees and it's just echoing through the poplars oh man it was just it was incredible it really is yeah. so um typically like the last four four years i i hunted um you know i hunted river valleys that bordered just agricultural farming land and um 
and, and it held a lot of elk, but it was quite a travel, like it was quite a distance for me. I had to travel about three hours to get to these spots. Yeah. So this year I tried something a little different. I tried pockets where I was told there were, there were elk, um, only about 40 minutes from where, where I live. And, um, I was hunting elk in cut blocks. If you can believe that it's heavy, dense bush, no farmland within, geez, probably 30 kilometers, 25 kilometers or more. And yeah. these elk were in heavy timber, um, and they, they would feed and hang out in these massive cut blocks. And it was so strange to me because I'm used to hunting deer, moose, and bear in these cut blocks. And elk, to me, they've always been an animal that hangs out in, in the farmland and, and, you know, in the river valleys and stuff like that. But I was hunting elk in, in heavy timber and, and cut blocks. And, uh, and it was totally strange at first. Like the first morning we went in, um, we seen elk sign followed it in and it wasn't an hour and a half and we walked right up in this herd and um, the problem the thing with this cut block is it was cut probably eight years ago so you know all the willows and everything had grown up at about nine feet at this point ten feet so visibility was really crappy and that's why those elk were hanging out in there because anything that sneaks up on them they'll hear it and yep. they always see you before you see them. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a crazy experience. It was something pretty darn cool. So um, yeah, we may try that, you know, a little bit of a different change of pace for elk hunting for you. And um, and hey, I'm still sort of new to that one too, but uh, there's nothing like chasing elk, man. Having an animal screaming right back at you and just being able to communicate with something like that. Um, you know, the closest, I guess, to that would be moose. But other than those two, you can't really communicate with wildlife. No, and there's just, you can have a conversation with an elk. You know, it's just unreal. Yeah, and so what I'm thinking we should, so do you have, is there a time that works best for you? Like early September, mid-September, October? What are you thinking? I, I'm, I'm going to see, I'm just going to tell my boss I'm going. So whenever, whenever, the, whenever the elk are going i think that's when we need to do it and so I are you i'm just come and uh follow eric around and shoot the ones that he doesn't well that's what i'm no thinking. you're 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 if you're coming with me you're shooting buddy because my <laughs> luck i've said this before my luck doesn't come out when i'm hunting my luck comes out when i'm guiding somebody so if somebody else is in front of me, that's when, you know, that's when the good shit happens. Yeah, he's yep. guided, you've got it. Well, we had my bear right off the bat at your bait. And yeah. you told me, you said, there's a, a blonde bear there. I've been hunting for the last couple of years. You're hunting today. We might see him. And we got him on the first day. Yeah. And then, um, and then what was next? Your moose. Yeah, my moose called a nice bull out for me and I just freaking blew it. And, um, you know, your girlfriend's mule deer. And, uh, and then yeah, I hunt no, for three just... months and I put one animal in the scope and that's it. Yeah. Well, you got that guide blood. <laughs> so yeah, I guess what I'm getting at, if we, if we do archery, I don't know what you have in mind, but if we do archery, we might have opportunity at a general archery moose too. I don't yeah. know if it's oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of thinking to come no. out early season with the stick and string. I might have a chance. <laughs> oh, you can. Yeah, but I don't think non-residents can do any of the special licensed animals, correct? I'm not too sure. I'd have to look into it. So isn't it white-tailed deer, black bear, and elk? 
but yeah, so what, what you do, um, if we, what I would plan for is that last week of archery season. Um, once you get into rifle season, like you said, it's just mayhem, right? And especially for elk, because it's a general tag, um, anywhere there's elk, there's just tons of people come rifle. So I like that sort of last week of archery. Or the very start, if you can get it on them right off the bat when they haven't seen hunters for nine months, yeah. that's great too. Um, but yeah, I think that middle of September, you know, right around September, uh, September 17th is when rifle starts. So like September 10th to 16th or something like that would just be perfect. Yeah. And, you know, we'll all have a bow and if, if we might even, you know, we might run into a moose on my actually that first day when i got into that herd of elk uh, we backed out because it was in the herd for 45 minutes and burnt through a camera battery i backed out and we lost track of them but later that day i spotted a moose in the cut block um, put a stock on them released an arrow at i was at about 30 and i thought i was farther away and it went right over his back but that's the cool thing about archery season here is it leaves so much opportunity for the bow hunter. You know, you got a, a moose tag in, in your pocket, you got a rifle, or you got a, a elk tag, you got whitetail, bear. Um, now for you as a non-resident, I believe you'd, you'd have elk, um, whitetail, and maybe bear. Um, yeah. yeah, that's not what it is. Do they limit the amount, Eric? Do you get two tags or three? Or So it says non-resident may obtain only two of these only oh sorry obtain only one of these two licenses and, what's and that's that? whitetail deer whitetail deer antlered whitetail deer specialized so you just that's your whitetail so you, so you, you get a whitetail antlered whitetail you can get antlered mule deer not much for muleys around here at least where well it's not a general that's a special license for where we yeah uh you can get antlered elk you can do antlered moose archery can he yeah that's what it says here Really? It says a non-resident may obtain only one of these three, and it's antlered moose archery, antlered moose special one, or antlered moose partner. And I, you can do a partner with somebody, I think, somehow. Yeah, so, and you know what's cool? That, like, the, the archery moose here goes till September 22nd, so you can get the tail end of that, uh, of that uh, you know, that sort of pre-rut for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, let's, we'll, we'll plan for something in the middle of September and uh, that leaves a, a lot of opportunity for, uh, you know, sort of an opportunistic hunt where you, uh, you might change the game plan depending on what you see in the middle of the day. Well, that's the nice thing about this bush too, is you just never know what might walk out in front of you, right? Yeah. 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 Right yeah sure. That's, that's the thing around here. I, I pretty much know what's going to walk out of the bush. It's going to be a whitetail. We don't have muleys. We don't have moose. We don't have elk. We have wild turkeys. There's a pretty good chance that you see a turkey in a lot of the bushes that I hunt. But and they've yep. they've they're doing very well in Manitoba. The turkeys, eh? It's unreal. I was actually just out uh, looking for deer about two weeks ago. I was moving a stand middle of the day, and there was a flock of turkeys. I bet you there was between four and five hundred turkeys in one field. Wow. <laughs> it looked it looked like geese out there. It was crazy. So do you guys have grouse or just turkeys? No, we have we have rough grouse, dude. Not oh, nearly okay. seemingly like the amount that you guys have. Well we don't have any any. We're just you guys were just about killing those things by the bushel full. Oh we will. Like we you'll see you'll go out if you go out on a good day, you know, when the sun's out and uh 
you know, if there's fresh snow and say the grader's been out on the road, you'll see in three hours, you'll see, you know, 15, 20 chickens. Yeah, that's crazy. We, right where I live, we actually have quite a few in the bush. Uh, for this spring, actually, was the first time I had ever seen actually a grouse with young ones. I've seen lots of grouse over the years, but I've never seen one that actually had young ones. And this, I was just mowing a trail uh, through the bush, and all of a sudden they came up on this grouse, and she must have had 10 or 12 little ones all wrapped underneath her. It was really cool to watch. That's yeah, that's super cool, man. So your turkey season, um, what are you guys allowed? One one turkey? Or are you guys allowed to get a couple? Or how does that work? Because as a non-resident, we can't hunt them there. It's just residents, right? Correct. And there's no guiding services or anything like that for, for non-residents. In Manitoba, you got to be a Manitoba resident. In spring, you can shoot one turkey. has to be a male with a visible beard. So you can shoot a Jake or a Tom. Um, or there actually is quite a few bearded hens. So technically that is legal because it says visible beard in the book. So you can shoot a bearded hen. We ha- I actually have a few on the property that have like four or five inch beards, wow. uh, hens, um, or in there's a fall season as well for three weeks. And in that season, you can shoot anything. You can shoot a hen or, or a tom. So you can get one in the spring and in the fall. No, so your tag is okay. actually only valid for one year. So if you buy a tag in spring, hunt the spring season, don't shoot a turkey, it's still valid for the for the fall season. But if I shoot one in spring, I can't shoot another one till the next spring. Yeah, so that's just like sort of how our bear our bear season is. Do you guys have bears there where you are? Yeah, not right where I am, about uh, two and a half hour drive, two hour drive east of here. We have very big bears. Wow. Right so on, like one of, one of my buddies um, he actually used to work for Shockey. He was a cameraman, um, run, runs a guiding business uh, east of Winnipeg. And he has put some smack down his clients on some monster bears like close to 21 inch skull kind of bears yeah i've seen some big bears come out of manitoba and you know like you said when you go north there's not much for access you know it's sort of that muskegy stuff and bears don't mind that you know if if there's moose living there there's probably going to be bears living there too and um and there's got to be some giant bears if there's limited limited access up north and you guys don't have you know a major population like alberta does i don't what is the population of manitoba i keep referring to it but i don't know it uh like people wise yeah people wise yeah yeah what are you you guys at like two million three million or is it honestly i don't even know brody uh we're we're not a very big population though i'm gonna say we're like maybe one and a half million yeah yeah so you guys don't have the population we have and you've got limited access in the north there so i'd imagine you guys got some giants just living up there yeah the the eastern the southeastern part of the province is where the majority of our bears are going going into uh into ontario as well going east there's that's where our big bear population is down in down in that part of the province and yeah like i say we have some giant bears and you go way north you guys got polar bears way north polar bears yeah i actually was up uh there in churchill about four years ago or something maybe six my wife's laughing at me anyway (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Typical woman. Yeah. Um, and we went up there and we saw a few polar bears and we came, we rented a vehicle and we were driving along the beach and we can see this bear and then all of a sudden he disappears and we come over this rise and not 30 yards from our truck is this bear and I'm driving like a jacked up Ford truck. It was a rental. And this bear is looking me eye to eye in the truck. Like he must have been, I don't even know, like five feet tall to the shoulders. It's crazy big. Wow. Just a massive, massive, massive male bear. Just crazy. Big boar. But yeah, they're huge. But they were really, really, really neat to see. Do they hunt them up there? Very, very, very few. And it's big dollars to shoot one. So is that, like, are those allocations to outfitters, or is that something yes. you can yes. priority? Yes, from my understanding, it is, like, strictly outfitted only, and I'm quite certain most of that is uh, native tags. Like, they're basically allocated for um, the, the native guiding services, and the locals will take you out and, and harvest a bear. Yeah, I actually um, like, just got a call today from a client who's up in, uh, he's in none of it. And, um, and he got a polar bear from the natives there. And so we're going to, he said it's a 10 and a half footer. We're going to do a rug for him. And that's what he mentioned. He said all of the hunting up there is strictly for the natives, um, the First Nations. And, um, and what they decide to do with the animal is totally up to them. But there's no hunting up there, at least for polar bears, um, for any non-residents. No, uh, but yeah, no, Canada, it, it certainly isn't uh, an over-the-counter tag or even a draw tag of anything like that. It's it's strictly basically the the number of bears that are taken on any given year is really really small. Okay. Just because the population is quite small. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And they, now. Basically, they try and keep them out of town. It was it was quite something. Um, basically, there's actually like a polar bear hotline that you're supposed to call if you see a bear within like a kilometer of town. You're supposed to call this number, and they go out there and they basically deter the bear and follow it and make sure it gets far enough away from town that it doesn't come back in. That is unreal. <clears throat> That's crazy. And Canada is act like you can't import a, a polar bear in the states. No. You cannot bring a polar bear across the border into the States. And Canada is one of the last places that, um, that you can, and you can hunt them. Like I've, I've mounted polar bears for clients who, who have paid to hunt them. And, um, and the thing is the market for, for hunters to hunt polar bears is so small because an American couldn't, they wouldn't have any purpose because they couldn't bring the high back. Home. Right. So, um, yeah, no, that's something else. It's cool that you guys got them up there and you've got to see them. That's some. That's one animal I've never seen, and I don't know if I will ever be able to see anytime soon, at least. Yep. Yeah, you you have to go to Churchill because they definitely have quite a few there. Like we saw, there was two, one really big boar. That's the one that we drove over the hill and saw. He was a really big boar, and then there was more of a juvenile boar that we saw, and then we saw a sow with two cubs. That's super um, cool. In, in and so what's week, that? Six, that we were there. six, seven hours away from you? Uh, Churchill? Yeah. No, Churchill is, oh, you can't even drive there. You got, I don't even know how many hours on up. You, oh, you can I fly see. there. Like we flew up there and it was like a two and a half hour flight or whatever. My yeah. sister was nursing up there actually. I see. 
Interesting. So um, I want to touch on one thing. You mentioned uh, mowing some lanes and some trails on your property. So you're a landowner. You've got this sort of this unique property that you are trying to manage to basically become the ultimate hunting property for you guys. Um, so when did you purchase the property? And since you've got it, um, what changes have you made to it to... Uh, to basically make it, you know, your little wildlife sanctuary. So we purchased the property three years ago, I guess now. Um, and obviously the goal in mind at that point was, was to build our dream home in the bush. So it's, it's 60 acres and it was like solid bush when we purchased it. Um, the very first summer that we owned it, um, I knew for the house project, I was going to need dirt. Another big plus to basically needing to dig a hole is deer need water. Like, I was actually watching a show tonight, and it was like how underrated people view water on a property. Deer can go two days, that's it, 48 hours without water. They can go up to 10 days without food. Wow. So, like, every two days, for sure, guaranteed, they need water. Yeah. If there isn't water on your property, they're leaving for water and they may come back. They may not. They may, in their travels to get water, they might find a better food source and stay there. So for me, the water was a huge, huge, huge priority to make like a sustainable water source. Yeah. That was like number one on my list. So very first summer, it was a dry, dry year. So I dug a hole back in the bush and then I hauled all the dirt up to where the house site was going to be. So that was the first kind of step towards making something, um, you know, in, in, in my mind, in the right direction to, to holding more deer on the property. After that, basically, the bush is largely, you know, in areas it's very dense underbrush, uh, willowy kind of stuff, which deer absolutely love and feed on that year-round. But the other portion of it is mature poplar trees, which unfortunately look beautiful, but they don't actually have a lot of food content yeah. for the deer. And with my property being 100% bush in Manitoba, you can't do a food plot. So basically, I need to create enough food within my bush to hold the deer. So basically, all of this comes down to a thing called timber strand improvement. And that's just improving basically your property, your trees, um, to actually feed the deer. So a huge producer of food um, is, is oak trees. So we have like, I'm going to say I have about 25 oak trees on the property and they're so overgrown underneath oh, wow. that they rarely produce any acorns. So one thing I've started doing is basically the radius of the tree that's how many feet around the oak tree you're supposed to keep clean in order for it to produce. So if it's a 30-inch uh, diameter of tree, 30 feet in all directions around that tree should be clear in order for it to produce the most amount of acorns. Holy smoke. So you've wow. cleared that? No, heck no. This, oh. is, this is all in progress. Oh, this, Wow. This is all in, all in progress, but this is just the reading that I've been doing. Uh, that's kind of, you know, if it's a eight inch tree, then you're supposed to clear eight, eight feet around. 
Um, so you won't do that to all in. of your oak trees. How many would you do that to? Or would you do that to um, all of them? Is that the end? Well, for starters, I'm going to target my most mature, biggest oak trees. Because basically you have the most amount of limbs, the most amount of opportunities to create acorns. So there's like, I'm going to say maybe a half a dozen that are like really big. Those are the trees that I'm going to target first in order to clear, you know, around the base of these. And these are like, they're in there, not on any of the trails that I've cleared. They're just like littered throughout the property. So it's definitely going to be a lot of work uh, clearing those yeah, no areas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unreal, man. Right on. So, um... Now let's, uh, I wanted to touch on one thing. We're going a little bit longer. I hope you got a, you got a few more minutes for us. Oh yeah, no problem. Okay, fantastic. So I want to touch back on, I'm, I'm sort of flip-flopping here, but there's one thing I really want to focus on and that was your hunting season. So you're still chasing whitetails. You've got a few more weeks, um, start to finish. You hunted some turkeys early on. Tell us sort of how that hunt went and then into your, your fall hunting season. Okay, so yeah, turkey hunting is is in spring here, end of end of April, and then basically the majority of May is our turkey hunting season here, and uh, we have a great population of wild turkeys here. If you put in some work, there's a very good chance that you're going to be successful in hunting turkeys, and we were. I mean, we got three on film, which was fantastic. Um, definitely added a whole new element. Uh, to, to the game, I definitely had quite a few opportunities that I was unsuccessful with simply because of the camera. But uh, when you make it a priority, I guess that's life. You have to so, really enjoy um, sharing your hunts with other people and you have to really have a drive and want um, to get it on film because you know, you're going to miss a lot of opportunities and uh, it's going to be tough. It is, it's a struggle getting things on film, right? And uh, yeah, no, kudos to you guys, man. Like your first season was your spring season filming and you, your wife and, uh, and your nephew all got, you know, phenomenal kills on film and, and they were, you know, they were great. We got to showcase them on, on the first season that aired on Sportsman Channel and uh, it added, added something new to non-typical nation that we haven't been able to showcase before and that was wild turkeys so um you know great job on that that worked out uh, really well and um, yeah yeah and there's there's definitely things that the camera doesn't show um that you still experience in the field <clears throat> there was one one hunt in particular um where the birds actually came in almost right behind me and i had birds at about three steps but they were on the other side up an evergreen tree and i could literally like i could see his head glowing like wow. two or three steps away from me but there's absolutely no way that i can turn to get the camera on him and then he's gobbling like right behind me wow. and uh you know just the the noise and literally almost the feel of it uh, you just can't put that on camera for people for viewers to see i just I, I don't know how guys can showcase that. I don't know really that there's anybody that can, uh, but something that I definitely want to work towards just to kind of portray that feeling through the camera of what you're experiencing in the field. So it's definitely something that I want to work on. Yeah, for um, sure. You know, when it comes to stuff like that, like unpredictable moments, 
you know, the reality of it is the only way to consistently catch, you know, things that you aren't predicting is to have a cameraman. Because that cameraman, he's watching you the whole time. He's watching to your left shoulder when you might be looking right. And and he's got that rolling the whole time. But when when you have your camera rolling, you are almost more focused on that camera than you are your surroundings sometimes, right? Um, So... It's, it's tough, man. It's a struggle. And, um, you know, what I do sometimes walking in and out of my stands, I'll just have my camera running the whole time and like talk to my camera. And if it's dark and I see something cross the trail 60 yards ahead of me, I'll tell the camera and sort of point it in that direction. But it, it, it's, it's tough, right? So I guess what we try and do is, is capture as much of that hunt as we can and then piece it together and uh and try and tell the story the best we can but uh you know solo filming and solo solo hunting is is um you know often it's oftentimes easier than hunting with other people but now when you throw a camera on it you know you're a cameraman and you're also a hunter and it's it's tough it is definitely tough so yeah that was definitely a whole new element to uh to the spring and then uh and then we kind of moved on to early archery season which here is kind of the last days of august first week of september whatever it was i can't remember what it was this year anyways um and had almost no bucks to chase early on i was super disappointed i ran like six cameras in multiple multiple different pieces and i was just turning up absolutely nothing like literally in my own bush uh i had three between two and four cameras running from early may until september i had like two pictures of bucks oh wow like, and all the rest were dozen fawns like and i had probably 25 deer staying in here for the majority of the year yeah and it was just turning up dry and even this fall i had zero mature bucks ever come through my bush so Which once really you hit that me. sort of like peak rut around here is usually right dead center middle of November. November fifteenth is going to be you know you can almost guarantee um, those deer are going to be running hard right around November fifteenth, sixteenth, fourteenth. Is that similar for where you guys are? We're, we're earlier. Okay. We are usually the first week of November is usually the end of the first week, like the sixth to ninth is usually a kind of our prime days. And so you didn't um, have any new bucks cruising through after those does that time of year? Very few. There was like two different bucks and neither of them would have hit 140, okay. which was really disappointing. But uh, it is what it is. I, I did find uh, a buck that I was very happy to find, um, you know, kind of second week, end of the second week of November. I found a new buck on a different piece of property that I was hunting and he was really, really big. And I, I never got an opportunity at him. I did find a few bucks, good ones, you know, here and there, um, find them for one or two pictures, see him once or twice and never get close enough or whatever, you know, how hunting goes and, uh, just never, never pulled it together. But I was chasing one deer in particular, uh, for the majority of our tree season, he ate, had split G2, split brow tines both sides, and a couple kickers off his G2s, but still only like a mainframe, like 135, 140 type deer, plus the junk. 
So not a monster, but for our area, that's that's a pretty good deer. I'm guessing he was a four-year-old, um, and I never, ever laid eyes on him uh, all of archery season. I had a close encounter with a different five in archery season that I could not quite close the deal on. He was a little bit far. I uh, didn't quite feel comfortable taking the shot, so I didn't. Um, but my dad ended up, first week of rifle season, actually a mile from where I had pictures, ended up killing this deer with the split G2 and, and the split brows and stuff. So that was really neat to, to kind of close the chapter on that deer. Yeah, that was a nice buck. Yeah. So he, uh, that was kind of the deer. And Heidi and I went out opening, opening day of archery together. Uh, I hung a stand kind of above her. So all of these are first. You know, I'm running the camera for her first evening. We got a nice nine point coming down down the field edge. And uh, we had kind of discussed how we were going to do it. You know, bunch of rookies. I, I took the range finder and the camera. That way I figured all she had to do was shoot. So here this buck is coming down this field edge at a decent pace. And I go to range, stop moving the camera. So the buck literally walks out of the frame. I get the range, go back right on the deer. Okay, so we're now we're ready. So I yeah. tell her the range. I said 21, and she heard 31. Oh, no. And she shot two inches over his back. Like, had the deer been 31, he would have been dead. But unfortunately, we had a bit of a miscue there. So that was pretty heartbreaking. Uh, he was full velvet, too, which is a huge bucket lift deer for her. Oh, no. I've I seen that video. That's the one we shared, right? Yeah. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's so, a killer, man. Yeah, that was that was pretty heartbreaking. You know, bucket bucket list gear to do it on film first time would have just been absolutely incredible. But almost you know, too good to be true, eh? Yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Like that's how that's how the first the moose on the first day. Like we got into that herd of elk, and that was just surreal. And then we left, and it wasn't five hours later, and I was putting a stock on a moose and got super like i thought i was at 60 yards and i was at like 30 some like it's crazy how just the adrenaline and everything else and you just aren't thinking straight right and um it happened so fast and it was just so surreal um it almost was too good to be true right <laughs> it's well, a killer man it's like it was that's <laughs> the first day the the curse of the first day man and then when you have that experience on the first day and you miss you're expecting the rest of the season to be action-packed like that first day, and it never is. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I mean, I, both of us did a lot of sitting this year, and the majority of our sits, we were seeing anywhere from 10 deer to 35 deer. Wow. Um, and we, neither of us ended up closing the deal yet. Yeah. So I, I'm still chasing deer now. I have to uh, go back to the drawing board and find a new spot and, hopefully get on a deer but uh, keep pushing and hopefully something happens right on right on man well uh we're rooting for you hopefully you can get one down um one last question when does your season end what's the date what's the deadline it will be on the one second here it's i have another two and a half weeks here yet okay so it'll end on the 20 of December. Wow. So it's late. It's 
slayed in that zone. And the reason they used to have this season is because the Doe's, the Doe numbers were so high in this one particular zone, which just happens to be close to where I live. Um, and they just have never gone away with it. So now you're allowed to shoot a buck or a doe. Your tag is valid for either in that zone. And, uh, yeah, this late season they used to do it because the does used to pile up in huge numbers this time of year. So then it was much easier for most guys to harvest, uh, you know, two or three. You used to be able to get three doe tags in this season. Yeah, interesting. And so it's a, it's a primitive weapon, so it's like a muzzleloader archery, yeah. that one? Uh, it's actually muzzleloader or shotgun with slug only. Cannot use archery equipment. Oh, wow. Interesting. Eh? So what, you're going to use a muzzleloader or are you using a shotgun? Muzzleloader, yeah. Yeah, we're going out with the TC, so. Yeah, yeah. Right on, man. Well, uh, it's good chatting with you. I'm glad everyone got to hear from uh, hear from you and get to know you a little bit. Um, yeah, no, man. I'm we're, we're rooting for you. Hopefully you can get one down in these last couple of weeks. You bet. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks so much, Troy. We appreciate it big time, man. And uh, yeah, we'll chat soon. Sounds good. Good Have luck out there, man. Thanks, Derek. Bye. There we go. Well, that was a good one, man. I uh, We were sort of projecting that phone call to be like 45 minutes. That's sort of what we shoot for. Yeah, we, we did. Flew right over yeah, that. We did about an hour and 20 minutes. That was awesome. <laughs> Troy had lots to talk about. I'm glad, uh, glad we had him on. He did, man. And great. it's good to, um, you know, we're here in Alberta, you're sort of in an eco chamber and you don't really know yeah. what, what other provinces are experiencing and what other provinces offer for hunting. So well, that's great like to, to Manitoba sounds like the total opposite of like everything that we deal with here. Right. Yeah. Like it, 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 it sounds a lot like what I've heard about the States, right. Where it's a struggle to find that those small pockets of crown land guys mm-hmm. are just crawling everywhere. Um, the deer are almost shot out. Um, and you know, the draws take a decade. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, uh, it's well, it tough when you don't realize how, how fortunate, how fortunate we, we are to have yeah. half the province or three quarters of the province being crown land. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. And it puts it into perspective just how, um, how, how much wildlife there is in Alberta. Like we have yeah. over 4 million people. We have tons of hunters. We're giving out general elk tags, and the populations are, for the most part, sustaining themselves year after year. They seem great. Yeah, they they go up you know, and down. We've pockets, definitely like noticed I said, it. I'm yeah. complaining about the deer south of here. But we've um, seen but the we've elk seen, move. We've seen the elk move closer this way. We've seen moose um, populations, you know, seem to be doing better. Yeah. Um, and there's more hunters in Alberta than there ever has been. Yeah. Well, and we live, we live in it. Like, yeah. Like, there. Last winter, there was a wolf dead in town limits. Yeah. You know, we see bears in town. Oh, we have bears, bears in barber shops in town. In barber right? shops, yeah. Right? And it really kind of caught me off guard when Troy said he has to drive two and a half hours to even see a bear. Yeah. It's like, wow. Like, yeah. the one thing that we have that's like mice, like rats anywhere else, Yeah, our bears, you know, they have to drive three hours to find That's a- what actually sort of was so attractive for me to move up here. Because I lived in a city in Saskatchewan. And I remember going fishing, ice fishing one day after work and I had to drive like two hours to get to this lake. I got to the lake in the dark. It was blizzarding. I got my truck stuck. It was awful. I came home and my roommate's like, you know, man, you really got to plan your days a little better. Like plan it for a Saturday or Sunday. And I'm like, no, I want to go fishing every day. Right. And then so 
you look at where we are here, we can walk from our studio here to the lake. Like yeah. it's less than Literally. it's less than a kilometer away. Yeah. We can walk to the largest vehicle accessible lake in Alberta and we can walk to, you know, thousands of kilometers of of just dense crown bush, right? Yeah. So, yeah, we're super fortunate. Um, you know, there's always something to complain about. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh and yeah, but um but yeah, I'm I'm still not over this hunting season yet. Like I, I, well, I'm we not quite. We haven't huge. had time to have like closure or wind down. That's quite what it yet, is right? because I'm always come come springtime. I'm so jacked up for bear season. I don't even really feel that yet because I I, I wish I was still hunting whitetails. I wish I had just one more week or two more weeks. Yeah, and that's um, where I'm at too. Like just, I, I, it's weird to feel like I have no more time left. Yeah. Like I look at these six tags in my bag and I'm like, I'm there's no way I could possibly fill these anymore. Like it's I over. Know, it's, it's almost awful. like a helpless feeling. Yeah. And at least you got a buck. Like you, you, you know, yeah. you, you, you sealed the deal at least. Yeah. Not not know? exactly what I had hoped for at the start of the season, but by the end of the season, that's what I wanted. Yeah. And I got it right. I wanted to get it on film. I got it on film. Um, it never goes as planned. Not. No. Not very often it goes as planned, and this year definitely did not go as planned. But I achieved my end goal. Um, you know, I, I really wanted to get a moose this year, and I had my chances. I I was given chances, and I blew it, right? So um, I don't have much to, you know, my season, I had a season. I was given opportunities for moose, you know, elk, I didn't hunt elk a whole lot, but hey, you know, four out of the six days I was hunting elk, I was on to elk. I just couldn't seal the deal. Um, deer season was a real struggle. It was a yeah. struggle. I hunted 10 or 11 days and I went, I think four of those days, I didn't see a deer. So it was a real struggle, but I got one. So that made that better. Um, but still, you know, I just, uh, something just feels weird about wrapping up this season. Like, I think what it is is the last couple of years I've got an elk or I've got a moose, and this year I just didn't get that that big animal yeah. that I wanted, right? And for me, I just like at the start of this year I thought, you know, I know what I'm doing this fall. You know, there's nothing else going on. COVID has everything shut down. I'm going to hunt this, you know, elk early on, then moose, and like I should be able to put something on the ground. Yeah, because typically you're guiding. In the well, fall, typically, right? so you yeah. don't have the time. I, Where this yeah. year, you thought you had the time, so yeah. you passed on elk early on. Well, and yeah, and I mean, right? I, don't, I don't had, even know what you to say. You had the time, right? Yeah. Where next year, you're going to be more than likely guiding. You know, Americans Hopefully. should be coming up, hope, and you're going to yeah. be guiding. So if you have those opportunities early on, you're going to have a bit of a different yeah. mindset going into it. Maybe you know, I I I like the idea of just taking like a really just a mature animal yeah like especially elk i just have this thought and it might be that first situation of mine with elk yeah that just i don't know broke me you know the first elk bull elk i ever set my eyes on that i can remember was in a hunting situation in bow range and it was like a gigantic seven by seven right and i don't i'm not saying i have to shoot a seven by seven but something in my head just like i i picture you know, a six by six frame, like a good heavy elk. Yeah. And I would probably be happy, you know, meat wise. I mean, I definitely would be happy meat wise to shoot like a three point elk, you yeah. know, a legal bull. But there's just something about like 
just having that goal of like shooting like a mature six point and just I've already screwed it up for two, three years in a row now. Like I want it to I don't want to settle is what I'm saying. Yeah, fair right? enough, man. You can't you can't kill like a real trophy animal if you settle for anything less early on. And if I shot, you know, if I shot that four by five or or, or smaller five by five the first day. You know, I wouldn't have seen the big six by six later on that never got into bow range, but yeah. you know, I never would have had that experience. And Without a doubt. I, you know, I was thinking about this when we were talking to Troy. He's giving me shit for passing on animals. <laughs> and it's fair, and I see it. And you know, guys say, uh, you know, tags don't taste good, blah, 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 blah. You can make fun of me however you want. But um I'm scared to not be able to hunt. Like, I don't like the thought of killing an elk the first day and then having to, like, nag somebody to go elk hunting because I want to go elk hunting. Yeah, Yeah, but see, like, myself, we talked about it earlier on, how there's so much opportunity in Alberta. So I, I fill a moose tag on a young bull. Well, then I can go elk hunting, then yeah. go deer hunting, I can and go that's bear what we hunting. sound like spoiled Where kids, if I right? Kill, if I kill an elk on the first day um, or second day, well, then I got a moose tag and I got a deer tag. Yeah. So, and personally, I don't feel like I'm I'm not a good enough hunter to pass on great opportunities like that. You know, like we mentioned this on the last podcast, where it comes like myself for bears. Now, I've hunted enough bears. I know how to hunt bears. I know how to, you know tell a mature bear from a younger bear and i've hunted him enough i've got it down pat so i feel like i can be picky with him but when it comes to elk like yeah i've got one but i don't i don't have it down pat yet i don't have the perfect spot settled in i don't you know i'm not there yet so if i have a great opportunity i gotta take it because it might be my only one in the season so that's the way i look at it yeah and maybe that's Maybe that's where I'm broken a little bit too. So is maybe what because I think is I've, you have more confidence than I do. Well, and that's no, what I'm gonna I say. Don't like, have that confidence. I've yet. had some crazy experiences, you know, and they've come out of guiding. Yeah. For the most part, because like I was working full time, hunting every day, full time, yeah. right, six, seven days a week. So you see, you know, out of luck, out of just being there, so many hours, you see things that, and you have experiences that are just like blow you away. Yeah. You know, and that's why, you know, in a situation where like your moose comes out Mm -hmm. at 20 yards, I can sort of predict it and tell you what's happening as it's happening. But for you, it's like, holy shit moment, right? I've never experienced this before. And so when it comes to like myself hunting, I have this, maybe it's this, I don't know, it's like this majestic sort of idea in my head that it's, it's all going to come unfold perfectly for me, just like it has for me in the past for other people. Um, and so it's tough because, you know, it's a whole bunch of things come into play where I just don't want to, s- I, I really want a mature animal, whether it be an elk or a moose yep. or a deer and, uh, it, j- but it sucks in the freezer department. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's but tough. you know, and that's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting back now listening to you and, and that's just the experience, right? Like you've been guiding for several years. You've experienced so many successful hunts, unsuccessful hunts, um, called in a ton of ton of moose, right? And a fair share of elk too. So you've got that confidence. And then when you have three younger bulls, you're confident that you're going to see something later on. Well, then that's the thought and, in my uh, head. And I'll yeah. never forget looking at two bulls broadside. And then I can see one sort of in the background and thinking, if this is how the elk season's gonna yeah. be, 
That's I've got to figure it out. First day curse, man. Like it's like I clicked and I'm like I. Yeah. I know how to elk hunt now. Oh, I know. And then sure enough, you know, I have one other bull comes into 80 yards where, you know, if I, I never shoot him with my bow that yeah. far, but that was the only other opportunity. Yeah. And no. I hunted, like I probably hunted 20 days and then for elk. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You hunted elk hard. And that's like that first day. I remember getting back to the quads after my battery died in my camera and i texted amy i'm like there's so many elk here once rifle season opens we got to get you here we'll get you one too and the next thing you know i'm hunting four five six days and i'm just i didn't experience that yet you know like we had them bugling just couldn't get on them yeah um but uh but yeah we're getting closer and closer every year man and you know what like once and the experience you just learn like this year after this year after every experience this year I thought I'm so much more prepared for the next experience. Mm-hmm. And then this year as a whole, I'm so much more prepared for next year. And you know what? If I, I'm just thinking now too, like if I didn't have my video camera with me and my goal is to get, is to film wildlife and film the harvest um, and, and the journey from start to finish. If I didn't have my camera with me, my standards might be a little bit higher on some of these animals and mm-hmm. I might pass on more animals because to get that animal in frame and be able to get a shot off is extremely tough. Right. So that's why I lower my standards a bit because I know perfect opportunities are going to be few and far between. Um, but yeah, you know, like my end goal is to get it on film, harvest that animal and everything happened, (laughs) you know, as you plan, Mm -hmm. doesn't happen very often, but, uh, but yeah, back to the drawing board, man, you know, I, um, I'm definitely not going to hunt the same spot I did for whitetails this year. I'm going to try something new again. I want to have to, have to, have to get, get in the bush, do more scouting like now in the off season, right? Not in, not in August, not in July, not in June in the winter time. So being that it's, you know, right now it's three days. Hunting season has been over for three days. We have about 270 days till archery season, something like that. What is your, do you have like a target animal, like an animal you're really going to focus on next year? Document it now so that when we, yeah, when we go to, when the the hunt starts next fall and see, you know, is it going to be the same? Probably not. Well, so I've right now coming out of whitetail season and having all November hunting nothing but whitetail, I've still got the whitetail bug. That's what I was thinking. So, so... Right, so right now, now, are you thinking August, like velvet August archery? August 25th, 26th, archery whitetail. Yeah, there you go. Right? Um, but like this year, and that's what I've done in like 2019, 18, 17. First week was four or five days in that stand for archery buck. But this year, I'm like, no, I want to get after an elk early on, right? And um, and and then I thought, you know what? I'm going to leave whitetails till November. And that's what I did. And usually it's the opposite. Usually I'm hunting whitetails early on and then also hunting them a bit in November, but I just went full bore in November and you know, it didn't happen quite like I wanted it to. I wanted to hunt hard, but have an opportunity in my stand or somewhere where I was hunting and it didn't. Um, but I wanted to get a buck. I needed to get a buck. I wanted to get it on film. Um, Charlie helped me out big time. You know, I, I thought I wasn't going to see anything and I did and I, and I got one, so it was good, but, um, I've still got the white tail bug. Now, yep. if 
once we get closer or even once we get to the draw, um, the hunting draw for 2021, I'm debating whether or not I should try and draw a moose tag. So how many points will you have next year? I think I'll be at like five. Yeah, five points. Four so you, or five. You can draw in a lot of good zones. But um, yeah, so so I'll, I'm going to have to wait and see. Um, I don't know if you want to wait that nine years for this no, particular I, I don't. zone. No, I'll never do that. Yeah. No, I'll just, never do that. I No. Because you can harvest Because I can hunt with a bow, yeah. right? And 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 where I released arrows at bulls, well, one of them was in that zone. that, And I killed a moose in this zone that took nine years last year. Um, so yeah, I, I won't, don't think I'll ever draw a tag in this zone. Yeah. Cause I just don't want to wait nine, 10 years to hunt one with yeah. a rifle. Even four or five is sort of pushing it for me, especially when there's zones where you can get one every two years. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but yeah, so right now I think at the start of the fall hunting season in 2021, I'm going to go after whitetails for those first four or five days and then do the sort of normal transition to elk and moose and, um, and yeah, Troy, Troy, uh, we've been talking, he, we're going to try and get him here and I might go there for uh, a mid October or something or, or early October, or even early November whitetail hunt is what I, what I'm thinking. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I got to get excited for bear season because I'm always so jacked up for it. Oh, bear and I'm season, just, for yeah. some reason, I'm just not, I'm not there yet. I'm still, still got this fall well, white we're not bug. on yeah once new year sort of rolls around and I, then and then you know it's we start to get into that spring the end of winter then you know bear season really ramps up you know what once we drop some lines in the through the ice in the yeah. water catch some fish yeah that sort of gives us a chance to shake off this fall hunting season blues and then uh we have some fun ice fishing and then that ice starts to melt, and then we get ramped right John, after bear season. John was messaging me uh, this afternoon about oh, uh, checking some wolf traps. Oh, So we wow. might have to get out there and yeah. uh, pay pay the puppies a visit with uh, For sure. our friend John the Trapper. Yeah, they're a neat critter. Well, I should mention I might be doing a cougar hunt. Yeah. So we'll have to see. Um, it would be great if I could, um, but we'll just have to have to wait and see here. So, yeah, if I could do that and, and, and it'd be successful... You know, I am not. You know, I got so you're no focusing more on your. You mean blues. your whitetail, or you? You mean you're talking about this winter hunting? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like right now, like I said, I'm still, I'm still it's not sort quite of over yet. on this. Yeah, yeah I need to. I need yet. to close the chapter, close the book, and uh, and get on with 2021. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm. Hope hopefully I can get out and and chase some cats here this month and uh, and get one down. We'll have to wait and see. It'll be a first for me. So, um, yeah, if I can, it'll be pretty fun. Looking forward yeah. to it. For me, it's, uh, yeah, it's sort of weird feeling, you know, not, I was thinking this afternoon, I'm like, where am I going this weekend? Yeah. Oh, I don't really I was have to go anywhere. Thing. Like, and it, I, I actually obviously need to stay at home a weekend and sort of repair shit, clean yeah. shit, put stuff away. Um, just sort of get all my bases covered again. But yeah, it's, it's kind of nice to not have to, you know, wake up at 5am or something just to drive to a hunting spot. Well, this, yeah, well, and speaking of that, like this, so Saturday, Saturday I killed my deer, and I was, like, I had to go back to work on Monday, so Saturday I killed my deer. Sunday was the first weekend day since August that I slept in, well, slept till 8 o'clock, and didn't wake up at, you know, 5.30, 
And uh, it was it was great. You know, when you have kids, everything's a little bit different. They're happy that you're home in the morning because typically it's 530. I've got all my hunting gear in the living room sprawled out. So when I go out there at 530, I get dressed and and then just straight out the door. So they wouldn't see me any mornings other than on the weekdays. Um, so it was it was uh, it was good to sort of get back to a bit of a normal. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, I it's going to be it's going to be a long wait till white till season. I've got a sort of an unfinished thing. Yeah, I think here. So unfinished business. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, man, good podcast. This one went phenomenal. I uh, it was great to have Troy on. Absolutely. It was know. a good way to good way to close the hunting season. You know, we got a little bit of little bit of hope left yeah. in our team with Troy in his last couple of weeks. Yeah. So. Well, you know, and, and like every... it, was, it was sort of a tough year for everybody, I think. Yeah, it was. And, and it wasn't, you know, everyone gave 120 percent um but uh but yeah you know it uh it was 2020 and that's, it was 2020 that's we're definitely gonna be looking you know if we survive much longer we're gonna be looking back at this year as uh you know the blunder oh, that it was man. for sure there's never been anything like it but let's wrap this one up okay guys that contest we did on the last podcast what we wanted you guys to do was send us a story um from your 2020 hunting season type it out to us send it on facebook messenger mention that it is for this podcast contest because we do get a ton of messages for guys wanting us to post stuff so mention that you are entering the podcast contest and send us a story from your 2020 hunting season we will be talking about it on the next podcast and the winner the story we choose um, we'll win a prize package from antler obsession and a non-typical nation decal so be sure to do that Thank you all so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we're going to wrap this one up. Yeah, wrap it up. Good podcast.